discussion with Dr. Farid Holaku. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram, or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show, or suggest topics or books for the program, and the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on iTunes. Again, our studio number, 310-441-0555. Let me announce the book of the week uh, for this week, which I mentioned Monday night. It is Sensation, The New Science of Physical Intelligence by Thalma Lobel. Sensation, The New Science of Physical Intelligence. Uh, it's talking about an emerging field in psychology um, called embodied cognition, but looking at how our physical sensations affect the way we think and feel, and sometimes we don't think that it would have an impact, but it definitely does. Uh, I mentioned this in a previous book, but this story comes up, or this study comes up in this book, how if we're holding a warm or a cold drink, it could affect how much we like the person we're interacting with. Um, they had a study where they had people hold either a, a warm cup of coffee or iced coffee, and they didn't realize that was part of the experiment, but then they had to rate someone on how friendly they were uh, and things like that, and they rated them as more friendly based on the fact that if they were holding the hot drink, whether they were holding the cold or if they were holding the cold drink. But anyway, I'll talk more about that on Monday's show. That's Sensation by Thalma Lobel. I want to start off today uh, talking about an article I read recently in the New York Times called Hide Your Phone When You're Trying to Work Seriously. And uh, the author of this um, article, Tim Herrera, he talks about how when he's writing this article, he has put his phone locked in his desk out of sight. And that might seem a little bit extreme, but the reason why he's doing that and the, the studies that he cites is that just the mere presence of your phone just the fact that you can see it, even if it's off. So sometimes we think I'll put it on airplane mode or I'll turn it off completely. But even still, as the, the study that he talks about states, it'll still reduce available cognitive capacity, which the study's authors call brain drain, meaning that you won't be thinking really or using your brain at full potential just with your phone visible, which is quite incredible, but it shows how dependent we are on our phones, and even maybe more than just using that word dependent, it said we're so uh, eager to know if we have a notification on our phone. Did I get a text message? Did someone like or comment on one of my pictures on Instagram? Did something happen on Facebook? Did someone try to reach out to me in some way? Or if I'm on a dating app, did something happen on one of those? Because of those notifications, we are so drawn to checking and we're so almost magnetically pulled to wanting to know that even if our phone is just there, the mere presence of it makes us want to check, even if we know it's off, even if we know we can't check it. So it actually does help to make sure 
that your phone is not even visible if you really want to get work done. And you guys can't see me, but there is some irony because I'm looking at the article on my phone. So I understand that that itself could be distracting me or making me not as present or cognitively available as I can be. But that's kind of the case right now. So our phones are really these huge distracting devices. Again, I, I talk about technology and I never want to say anything like this is all bad because absolutely phones and technology do a lot of good, but it can have negative impacts. And what we always want to do is be aware of the ways that it can affect us less negatively in our lives. That's what we want to do is to get the benefits and reduce the detriments or the negative things that can happen based on the technology that we're using. But when it comes to your phone and doing your work, you want to be aware of the impact that just having your phone visible can have. And I felt this myself um, when I do my work, obviously in therapy, I can't have my phone out and that that is very simple. But even when I'm trying to read, so as I do the books of the week, if I have my phone out, especially if I have it visible and notifications can pop up, well then of course I'm going to get distracted regularly or I won't really have control over the distractions that I have. And this is a big point that I think is very important. Um, looking at your phone and the way you use it, I am reminded of the book Mindful Tech by David Levy, and the author joined me actually on the show from Seattle over the phone. Um, but talking about how we use our technology and being mindful of the ways we use it. But one thing that's important for me is you having control of how you use your phone rather than your phone controlling you. And that sounds quite complicated or maybe simple, but the idea is that if you have your phone on, and you can see it, or if you have the sound and the vibration on, then when you get a notification, you're going to be essentially compelled to check it. So your phone and the people around you and your apps are going to control when you check your phone and how productive you're going to be. But what I think is a better idea and something that I do is to turn off the sound and the vibration and put it in a way where you can't see it. Sometimes it could be in my pocket. Now I know there might be some people saying that having your phones in your pockets, there might be research saying that's not good for you because of the radiation and whatnot. But um, I'll leave that point aside for now. But just having the phone out of sight and in a way that I can't see it and I have no idea when notifications come in. And I'll tell myself I'm going to read 20 pages straight or 15 pages without checking my phone or any distraction or a time limit, about 30 minutes checking my watch. And that way I'm much more productive. But I know there's other times where if I have my phone out, then I'm constantly being distracted. And not only are the distractions bad because obviously they take you away for a moment, but in this article, it talks about how sometimes when we get interrupted, although we might think we quickly go back to the previous task that we were doing, sometimes it takes almost 30 minutes to really get back on track. And this is why uh, something I've talked about before, and it was also in the book Mindful Tech and other books as well, where we think we can multitask really well. And we think that's the best way to be productive is to multitask. We see that this is not the case because although you think you're doing several things at the same time, what you're actually doing is serially switching from one task to the other. And in so doing, you are losing time and you're not as efficient because when you're doing something and you're in it, you're in the right state of mind and all your resources cognitively are focused on one thing. When you switch, it takes time to get into that new activity. And then when you try to switch back, although you think you're doing it seamlessly, you're actually losing uh, some time and focus and efficiency. So 
the idea of multitasking, and I think sometimes people think, well, you have to multitask in today's day and age. And no, you don't. Yes, there are some moments where you'll have to do it, but to make that the primary way, way that you're working or living your life is a huge problem. And especially people bring this into their relationships. So this article was talking specifically about uh, work. And it really does seem very important that um, having your phone even visible is a problem, even laptops. And he talks about how there's some studies showing that laptops in meetings or in classrooms. Now I think it's common that in, you go to any college classroom, everyone has a laptop out, but the mere presence of a laptop can distract students, even if it's not your laptop, just someone having one, which is kind of interesting, a bit maybe out of your control. But in meetings as well, when people have devices out, it makes people more distracted and less focused on what's going on. And uh, that could be a huge problem. But so we're looking at productivity. But to me, another aspect where I see this play a huge role is in our relationships. Because I think a lot of people think, well, I can check something on my phone and listen to my husband or wife tell me a story. And we know, and we'll, you'll experience that, but articles like this and the studies that it's talking about make it very clear that you can't. You can't be as present as you can be if you're on your phone. Even if your phone is out, we're seeing. So this is really important for husbands and wives, for couples to think, you know what, when I want to, when we want to have a conversation and really talk to each other, we should put our phones away completely. Especially we shouldn't have the sound on and the vibration on and so we can hear the notifications, but also not even have it out. So we're really making sure we're focused on each other. And I think what's sad is that when a lot of people think about doing this, they almost get anxious. There is this anxiety that comes up from not checking your phone because we want to know uh, what's there, see the notifications. And we know that these companies, these companies that make apps like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and the like, they program them in a way to try to get you addicted, to get you hooked. Even I've mentioned this before that an app like Instagram, it doesn't give you all of your notifications as they happen in real time. They sometimes will delay when they give them to you. So you might all of a sudden get a notification saying you got six likes, even though one of them was from eight minutes ago, because they find all algorithms or find patterns that will make you more likely to get addicted that you want to check. Kind of like if you go to Las Vegas, you don't win some money every time you pull the slot machine. Sometimes you win nothing, sometimes you win a little bit, sometimes you win more, and that creates this um, excitement because of that interval or, and random interval way of getting reinforced. And they do that with these apps too. They're trying to get you hooked because they know that the more you're on them, the more money they make. And that's what they're trying to do is to get you to want to be on them constantly. Uh, what I think is good is in the, there's a lot of recent software coming out that helps people monitor and measure and gives them data on how much you're using your phone. I think that's really good, and I think people should um, utilize those apps because if you're not aware, you're going to uh, not be aware of how much you're using your phones. But for me, when it comes to our relationships, we want to be aware of this issue, that if you're not putting your phone away, you're not really being there with your partner. And also, as a parent, we're seeing this happening. So there's a lot of research and a lot of articles about how uh, tablets and phones are not good for kids and that's definitely the case but sometimes we forget the other side that it's not good for parents that parents are sitting there checking their email while they're sitting down playing with their kids thinking that their kid is getting um, enough of their love but your child wants all of your attention all of your focus all of your emotional and mental energy so if you're checking your work emails or texting your friends 
while you're playing with your friend, your kids and thinking, well, you know what? I played with my kid for an hour. That hour really loses a lot of its value if you're not actually being there present. So putting your phone away is really critical. And so again, it's about you being in charge of your phone rather your, than your phone being in charge of you. Someone wants to text you, that doesn't mean you have to stop doing what you're doing or interrupt what you're doing in that moment. And I think especially when I say that doing what you're doing in the moment, very often we're looking for distractions because people do not want to face their feelings or also in the case of their relationships, they're avoiding the intimacy of being in touch and close contact with their friends or their loved ones or their partner rather than looking their partner in the eye and talking to them. It's easier to have their phone out and kind of have some of their attention there take away from the intimacy of looking at your partner face to face. So we're looking for distractions. We're seeking them out. It's almost like we want to be distracted. And our phones are the, one of the best ways to do that. And they're made in ways and engineered to make us want to get distracted and to distract us in ways that in a way we like or feels good in that moment. But we have to be aware of what we're losing when we are distracting ourselves and not staying in the moment. So if you're working, we know that having even just your phone out can distract you. But especially, I think it's important to reiterate this idea when it comes to our relationships. Don't allow your phone to take away from the quality of your relationships. Don't allow for your devices to get in the way of your emotional intimacy with your partner and your loved ones, because it will. You won't be as available to them. And we've all had that experience, which doesn't feel good of when you want to tell someone something important or something that means something to you, and they're kind of just nodding and checking their phone while you're talking and you just don't feel good because you're like, you're not really listening to me. And you're right. No one is really listening to you fully if they're looking at their phone at the same time. And of course, it's not just about thinking about other people, but thinking about how you do that too. So this article is an interesting one. You can check it out on the New York Times. Hide your phone when you're trying to work seriously by Tim Herrera. But again, for me, it's not just about work. It's about our lives and our relationships as well. All right, let's go into our first commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Welcome back, studio number 3104410555. Let's go to a caller, Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, thanks for calling. Thank you for your time. Um, my question is about my daughter. She's three and a half, mm -hmm. and um, um, she has some special behavior that I don't know how to act in front of her. Okay. Like, um, generally speaking, she is um, mature, uh, like... She acts like she's more mature than her age. And I heard that comment from her teachers as well, that um, like compared to other kids, she she's like um, five or six-year-old kid. Um, we have do you, lots of friends. Do you have any other siblings? Does she have any siblings? No, no. She's okay. the only one. Okay. Okay. And uh, we have lots of friends. And we, like every weekend, we go to their house or they come to our house. But um, my daughter doesn't like to see people, uh, especially if they're new people. Mm -hmm. She starts acting like she starts crying. You know, for example, last week we went to a restaurant with my colleagues, and the whole two hours we were at the restaurant, she cried and she closed her eyes. She mm -hmm. didn't want 
to see even people. And she keep asking me, let's go home, let's, let's go home. Or we went, and then once we get home, she start talking about those people, asking about those people. And, um, and like this weekend, my cousin came and she went to her room and locked the door for one hour. And then she slept mm. on her on her uh, at her bed, and I I don't know what to do. Like I know the fact that she doesn't like attention. Once people tell her you're beautiful or oh what a nice dress, she hates that. So I I tried that approach that I told people like stop commenting about her mm-hmm. or you know what just ignore her once you saw her. So. Even with that approach, she keeps crying. She doesn't like to see people. And I don't know what's the best behavior I should do. Okay. So is this a new thing or has she always done this? She always done this, but it's getting worse once she gets older. Hmm. Okay. And then when you said teachers say that she's mature, what do mm-hmm. they mean by that? Like she's very smart. Okay. Very smart, and the things she's doing, for example, she's just three and a half. So once they go outdoor and they play, all the kids are playing, whereas she's standing somewhere and she's choosing friends, she's making groups, like she's my best friend, but that one, no, we don't want to play with her. And teacher said, like, um, kids at this age, they, sh- they usually they don't do this. Like, if they are seven, six-year-old, they, they do that. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of, like, generally speaking, like, She's very smart, and even doctors at, uh, I went to um, checkup, annual checkup, and doctor, after several questions, the doctor told me she can be um, genius, so you can go to the center, they have IQ tests, and I'm going to do that later, not now. But I know she's smarter than other kids. Yeah, it does sound like she, you know, it's like, uh, she is a little bit different than the other kids, and there's some good things like she's advanced cognitively or intelligence and even socially she might in some ways be advanced but then in other ways maybe she's less advanced or she's so aware of everything that's going on that she gets overwhelmed more Mm -hmm. so you know that's kind of how i hear what you're saying it's almost like she she take it's too much for her and she needs to get away whereas Mm -hmm. maybe most kids her age or most people won't feel that same feeling so we do want to keep an eye on this you know what's going on and always with these types of things we want to find that balance where we of course don't want to overwhelm her and force her to be in situations she doesn't like and in ways she doesn't like but at the same times we don't want to encourage her to avoid everything she doesn't like either because then she won't get more comfortable with these things that make her anxious so it's finding that balance of not forcing her and saying you have to be around people all the time so you get over this and at the same time not saying you don't have to see anyone ever because we don't want you to feel bad and finding that balance of getting her more comfortable now you talked about school so is she comfortable there because she now knows the people yes like for the first three months uh she cried Mm -hmm. but now she's very comfortable and she loved it okay and does she have any other types of sensitivities like to to sensory motor things like tastes or smells or sounds? Does she show any reactions more than other kids to those kinds of things? Mm, I haven't noticed, no. Okay. So there's no type of sensitivity in that way. So it's the people no. especially and new people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. But then once she gets comfortable with someone, 
does she connect with them? Does she seem that she can relate to them? Uh, yes. Like, for example, I got a new friend. She had a kid the same age. Mm-hmm. She didn't even let the kid to go to her room and play with her. So we saw them three times. And then the fourth time, she started playing with the kid. She started talking to the, her parents. And uh, she's just totally fine. Okay. And then once she gets to that point, so she, you don't see that she has a hard time with social skills or connecting or knowing what to say or how to interact with someone? No, she's totally fine as soon as she knows. Like, um, like um, she has uh, several cousins, aunts mm-hmm. and uncles. She's totally fine, and she's actually amazing. She loves to go to their house, our neighbors. And, uh, like, she has a friend uh, at school. She keeps asking me, can we go to their house? you want to play? And once we go to their house, she starts talking to the mom and dad. And for, like, I, I keep saying, come on, go and play. Don't sit down and talk to their mo- uh, her mother. So she's fine in that, but as, as long as she knows that person. Okay. Like, last week we went to my brother's house, and she was so happy. She entered the house, and then... She saw one of my brother's friends and started crying and even beating, like, with her hand. She she was beating her head and tell mm. me, let's go home. So sometimes me and her dad, like, we feel, like, so bad in front of people. And I don't want to force her to, like, come on, open your eyes, talk to people. Mm-hmm. She doesn't listen at all. Yeah, I wouldn't force her in those moments where she's that overwhelmed. But that is an intense reaction. So she was literally hitting herself. Okay. Actually, that was the first time it happened. So I realized, oh, it's getting worse and worse every day. Yeah. And because of that, we'll talk some more. I would consider taking to her to a psychologist and maybe doing uh, doing play therapy with her. Because mm-hmm. we want to, to see what's going on in these things. that It can get worse. And then when it gets worse, it'll get even harder to deal with. Uh, but it does seem like some type of social anxiety and also another way of looking at it, she's definitely more of an introverted type of person or she needs time. She's slow to warm. She takes her time to get comfortable with someone. Mm-hmm. So we have to understand that that's going to be her style. Some kids, they go to the playground, they start running around and playing with all the kids. Some kids, they need five minutes to just look around and take everything in and then they might go play with the kids slowly and take some time. And that's just different ways of being it's not one has to be better than the other but in her case it seems pretty extreme that when she sees someone new she might just start crying and is it usually adults or it doesn't really matter um mostly adults okay what's her relationship like with you and her father what is how how are things at home it's awesome everything is in perfect condition okay i mean i know you probably know that when you say perfect it makes me wonder what's not perfect because we're never going to have a perfect condition, but uh, are, is there any fighting in the home? Is there anger? No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. Things are pretty calm. Yes, exactly. Okay. Anything in either you or your husband's um, family background related to mental illness? No, not at all. Nothing at all? Not even any depression or anxiety? No, no. Okay. My guess is, you know, because of how common those things are someone somewhere in your families have it, but maybe they're not aware of it or you guys are not aware of it. But so there's nothing, no serious mental illness that you know of. No. Okay. No. And as far as educational background yourself and your husband and career, what are you guys doing? Uh, I have PhD. I'm scientist and my husband is engineer. Okay. So it, it, it could be very possible that your child is very smart. Um, and 
like lots of things, even intelligence, sometimes too much of it can be a bad thing, just like height or uh, you know strength. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always mean it's a good thing. So it, it could be that your child is a little bit exceptional and a little different. And so because mm-hmm. of that, we have to be aware of how she's going to experience the world differently than maybe most kids, most people do. And so mm-hmm. we want to keep an eye on that because we don't want her to go through what she's going through, both because of how she's experiencing it and just her way of living. We don't want her to have to avoid people or it almost seems like she's afraid of people. And that's yeah, and, concerning. And it, it, it's not like uh, we don't see people. As I said, we, we have lots of friends and family around us. So every weekend we have two parties and I start like um, kind of filtering the parties I go. I just start like hanging more with people with kids. So maybe that can help her. Mm-hmm. And um, again, for the first two, three times, she's giving us hard time. And then after that, she's fine. Okay. And so I, w- I would keep doing those things then if she's handling it okay over time to show her that she's going to be okay. Now, my guess is since this is happening so much, you talk to her about it. And especially since she might be advanced for her age, what are the conversations like when you ask her about what she is scared of or what's going mm-hmm. on? What does she say? Uh, like um, last weekend, once my, my cousin came and she went to the head room and locked the door and slept there. Mm. Uh, so the day after that, I asked her, okay, why you didn't come and visit my cousin? Uh, he said, she said, I don't like your cousin. I just like my own cousin. I said, yes, but you never talk to him. But I think my cousin is a very good guy and he wanted to play with you. Uh, and then she said, no, I really don't like him. Mm-hmm. And by the way, is it does it does it make a difference, male or female? No. Um, let me see. Um, I think, I think mostly male. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because um, my colleagues that she react a lot, it was male, and my brother friend that she started like beating her head, it, it was male. Yeah, my cousin. Yeah, yeah. I think mostly male. Okay, and you said her father. He's not an angry guy. He's calm. He is. Yes, he's calm. Okay, and so we don't know if she had a bad experience. Sometimes with it could have been another male, and now she's generalizing that. So if it's more men than women, that that could be something. We don't want to jump to that conclusion yet, but that's something to look at. So I'll try to pay attention. And even when you ask her, I know, you know, like you said, you could maybe even feel embarrassed where a friend or family Mm -hmm. member comes over and she's reacting so strongly or she goes in her room and locks the door. Um, Mm -hmm. But you want to be aware of when you ask her even the question why although in some ways you want to ask it, it can come off judgmental. Why did you do that? You should have come out. You should have been seeing him. We want to try to understand and even maybe say something to show you get her feeling. It's a, It seemed like you didn't want to come outside yesterday or it seemed like you didn't feel comfortable coming out or maybe you were scared. I was wondering mm-hmm. what happened or what was going on. So rather than first trying to convince her that she should have come out, Um, I would really want to try to understand more. And the more you try to tell her you should have come out, the more she has to try to defend it or it becomes this battle, you're going to get less insight of what's going on. But if you can try to ask her, you know, it seemed like you were scared. I'm wondering what was scary about coming out. 
and then maybe she'll tell you and maybe she won't. Or um, trying to say, you know, it seemed like you were scared. And also another thing you do, and this is the same thing we recommend for parents who have kids who have social anxiety and they every time there's a birthday party, for example, they don't want to go because they, they're nervous, but then sometimes they do go and then they have a good time. And it's not to say, see, you had a good time, why were you nervous? But to remind them of these situations where, do you remember when you were nervous about meeting so-and-so and and you didn't want to see her? Mm -hmm. And then after Mm -hmm. seeing her two, three times, you got more comfortable and then now you really love playing with her. And then so you, and you say this not to prove to her, see, you have nothing to worry about, but getting her to see the successes or to see that the thing that she was so scared of turned out not to be so scary. So you could say, maybe this will be the same way. You don't have to play with her right now, but I just want you to think about that. Maybe with so-and-so, right now you're not feeling comfortable and that's okay, but you're going to feel more comfortable over time. So it's getting her to also recognize the pattern and making her more aware and that way more in charge of what's happening. But I really think it's good for you, especially because you're saying she's so advanced, you probably can communicate better than even a typical Mm three-and-a-half-year-old, that when you have the conversations, it's not about okay, when I'm talking to her right now, I'm going to convince her that she should have come out. But rather, it's a stance of curiosity. I want to understand what is keeping her in her room or what is making her feel the way she did. So curiosity uh, rather yeah, than convincing. You're absolutely right. The one thing I noticed by asking this question is that she doesn't like attention. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, she doesn't like to dress up because she said people will tell me how beautiful I am. Mm. But I'm not beautiful. I don't want to be beautiful. She keeps saying that. And mm. she asked me, can I come to the party with pyjama so no one tell me I'm beautiful? So I know she hates that attention that people give her. Do you guys give her a lot of compliments like that about being beautiful? Um, for example, if she has a, like, a dress, I say, oh, that's beautiful. She's fine if I or her dad comment. But as soon as other people comment about how beautiful she is, she doesn't like it. Even her aunt and uncle, mm-hmm. she keeps saying, no, I'm not beautiful. No, I don't want this dress because I don't want to be beautiful. Like, she mm. keeps saying that. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, in general, I even think it's, I, I, I know parents and people, they think it's so good to keep telling kids how cute they are and how beautiful mm-hmm. they are. I usually don't like it too much. I mean, some of it's good. It's okay. But that emphasis, and especially for me, actually, um, for girls, I think something we see in a lot of families, especially Persian families, is when they have a boy, they might tell them they're smart and strong and these things. But for a girl, it's always about being pretty and beautiful and cute. And that's the only, as if that's the only value they have. And I really think that's not good at all, just from a personal and also just cultural and societal kind of perspective. But so it's making sure we don't make that the thing we focus on is uh, complimenting them on how they look because for any kid, but especially for, I think for a girl, it reinforces this idea that that's what gives you value and we don't want to give them that uh, notion mm-hmm. at all or that idea. So I would focus less on that even in, in the home. Uh, you know, you say, oh, that's mm-hmm. a nice dress, but, uh, you know, being kind and, and trying hard and effort, you know, and we know there's about the growth mindset rather than the fixed mindset. But we're not, I'm not quite sure what's going on with the being pretty and, you know, she's so young that I don't want to say it's a self-esteem issue, but we don't want her to be focused on that as like, that's the thing that's important. And you can, you know, with all these things, I would talk to her a lot. And again, it's always about understanding, not convincing. 
curiosity, mm-hmm. not convincing. So I want to understand why you don't like. Not you shouldn't care if they say it or it doesn't matter or it's a good thing, which is what mm-hmm. a lot of parents will do is just try to force them to see it the way they see it. It's that I want to understand why you don't like it when they say these things because it seems like it really does bother you. I want to understand what's bothering you. You know, so we ask mm-hmm. her with that. So always remember the curiosity stance. I'm curious to understand what my child is feeling. I'm curious to understand why she did that rather than I'm going to convince her to do this or not do that or not feel this way because we can't do that anyway. Um, I would keep communicating with her about that. But there is something clearly there. Like I said, I would consider the play therapy because that could be a great place um, for her to play out some of these things and with a therapist, if she feels comfortable with them, it might become more clear and she could even work through some of the anxiety that's there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it could be that you're dealing with this exceptional kid who is going to be a little bit different in lots of ways, some good and some that are going to be challenging for her. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes she walks in a room and someone takes in 20 things, she takes in 200 things and she gets overwhelmed because of her intelligence or the way she sees things. And so we don't want to make her feel bad about that. It's just like if two people walk in a room, one person is warm and one person is cold we don't say you're wrong for being cold we just that's how their body is reacting so we don't want to make her feel bad about this either like she's doing something bad or she is bad and that's another reason why we want to make sure when we talk to her about it the way we ask her is less about judging her or convincing her and more about curiosity and trying to understand her so she doesn't feel that she's bad for feeling what she feels because it doesn't seem obviously like she's trying to feel it she's not trying to make it this way it's just how she feels in that moment Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so yeah. good luck. I, I hope she'll you'll take her to the, uh, a psychologist, and with her especially, she's gonna have to feel comfortable with them. You know, I I'll leave it into the hands of whoever you meet with, but maybe even you you or you and her dad will go in with her at first to get her more comfortable, and then mm-hmm. she might be more comfortable one on one as she gets a little bit older. Or you guys can even go as a family anyway because of her age. But I would keep an eye on these things because there seems to be something there, and to me, it does seem related to that maturity or that intelligence that you're saying that she might just be different in some ways that are very good, but some ways that could make her have more challenges than other kids. And so right. we want to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Sure. Doctor. Thank you for calling. Have, a great, have a great day. Thank you. Okay, bye bye. All right. Going into our next commercial break, studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the uh, air. Hi. Hi. Thank you for taking my call, and I appreciate your program Thank very you. much. Appreciate it. Um, I have a child who's now in 10th grade. Um, she's very um, social, and she she's getting all straight A's since I remember. She was tested and uh, was recognized as a gifted in second grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering, I needed some guidance how to... Uh, send her after she finishes 10th grade straight to college if possible. I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wondering if you can help me with that. Uh, okay. I have to apply, what's the program name? You know, I have no idea. Okay, so she's uh, 16? Mm-hmm. Right now, she just turned 15 in October. Okay. So by um, end of summer, She'll be close to finish, to be Yeah. So she's young for her grade also, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And so you said she's been tested as gifted. Does she want to go to college now? I am first going to figure it out and, you know, and do all 
all that I have to do, then present it to her. Because so, so okay. She's going to, you know. <laughs> all right. Well, by the way, if you can speak a little bit louder, your sound's coming a little Definitely. faint. Absolutely. Thank you. But now, I'm, so before we get into the, the how, mm-hmm. I yeah. want to understand, and it's funny because I was just talking to the previous uh, caller yeah. about being aware of yeah. saying why, but I want to understand the why. Um, why is it that you want her to go to college after 10th grade? that basically I don't want her to miss out on her talent. She doesn't study that much. She gets all A's. Um, she's very social. In every program she goes to, she becomes a leader. Mm-hmm. She's very strong, uh, very confident, a lot, has a lot of friends, you know. I mean, she has a very good life. I don't want to hurt that life. I mean, but at the same time, I feel like uh, maybe the last two years, she might kind of waste her time. She could get ahead. I'm not saying this is a game and she must get ahead and get anywhere. But I feel like maybe she can use it in future more efficiently than just mm. kind of like, you know, just sit there and wait when she may not have to. You know, it's just a question. I'm not mm-hmm. really sure. But yeah. I want to definitely explore it because then later I might regret well, I don't, you know, I, I know a lot of people, we think of life can feel like a race a lot of times, and parents yeah. especially feel this no. with yeah. their kids. You know, I see, like, yeah, yeah. parents of, like, two-year-olds trying to teach them more than other two-year-olds, and I really think it's actually a shame that we're moving in that direction. Even I didn't read this article, but I saw it said something that in kindergarten, your child's social intelligence or social life is more important than anything academically. And I think even as a 15-year-old, I don't think it changes that much. So mm-hmm. I'm not worried about wasting time. She's going to, you know, she's doing things right now. And then whenever she starts to work, she'll work, let's say, 40 yeah. years. I'm not worried about wasting time on this end. If Mm-mm. she is happy with her life, if she's still learning mm-hmm. things, my guess is if she's as smart as you're saying, her classes mm-hmm. are mostly AP classes. Is yeah. Okay. Um, and, and so... I don't feel that, you know, some strong pressure that it's a waste of time. And I would definitely, to me, I know you want to get all the evidence and all the procedures in place before you talk to her to have like a, almost like a presentation. But I would not even start the process without talking to her. Yeah. No, but I mean, even I wouldn't start looking into things until I talk to her. Because to me, it's very important what she wants to do. Um, I don't see it as a waste of time. And probably if she were to start college now, she would have to go to a community college. Yeah. Um, and so maybe she doesn't want that. Not that I think there's anything wrong with it. And yeah. maybe if, if you're not aware, I did something like this. I took... Yes, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I'm calling you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I took the proficiency yeah. exam in 10th grade and then I went to college. But it was a lot of things going on. It wasn't this typical experience i was not really as interested in school i wouldn't say because i was so smart um Mm -hmm. so it was a different type of path so she if she's preparing herself to go straight to a university and she wants that i don't Mm -hmm. see that as a negative thing that she should start college uh, immediately and miss out on Mm -hmm. junior and senior years you know sometimes people really want to have that experience of being in high school and having Mm -hmm. that in it might seem like a waste of time to you but maybe to her it's something she wants to experience so uh, i definitely would you know, today, okay. talk to her if I were you and okay. see what she wants to do rather than trying to figure that out for her. 
Um, okay. I don't see it as a negative thing necessarily, but sometimes, you know, if she goes to college, she'll be younger than everyone there. And maybe mm-hmm. that won't necessarily feel good for her and she'll miss out on some social mm-hmm. things. So for me, it's yeah. most important what she wants more than what you or I think. True. Makes sense. Yeah, I'll yeah. do that. Okay. Knowing her, she will agree with you for sure. You, okay. So yeah, how is she doing? I mean, does she seem to like her social life? Does she seem... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very much. So uh, yeah. what do you think is your rush? What are you concerned about? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there are all sorts of things. But one of them, I live in L.A., and I read the report on climate from the White House. I don't know if you noticed what they yeah. published. It was pretty horrific, in my opinion, that this fire hazard we have is very serious. So I, I kind of don't want to be stuck also as well uh, in high school years. Uh, being in college, uh, you know, is more flexible. If I wanted to move, maybe within a year, I, I'm wondering whether I should stay in California or move because of this uh, climate change and the reports I read. Um, so are you worried about fires affecting you specifically? Yeah, I, because I have only one child. We've mm-hmm. had incidents in my family before. I've lost, you know, family member that was very young, and I just am very protective of mm-hmm. her. I have only one child. I want to protect her. And I want to do my best. So if uh, this hazard is as high as I can see and there are other factors that puts Los Angeles on the top of the list, I don't know if you've looked at it, it's like a digit there that's the highest digit of all kinds of factors combined. L.A. is extremely dangerous. But, you know, I'm not being paranoid every day at all. We live our lives and she's very happy. I don't show my, you know, concerns like... Every day, I do not tell Well, her I don't want to say you're being paranoid, but there maybe is some <laughs> level of, of paranoid. Yeah, so, no, you know, no, no, th- no. I, I mean, I think, yes, I, I mean, no, I live no. in L.A. too. There's earthquakes. There's lots of things that happen here. Yeah. But to say we have to hurry up and get you out of high school to get the heck out of here. The thing is, again, she would probably go to, I mean, you can go move and go to community college somewhere else. But I don't feel like, um, to me, that would be... <laughs> The climate change would not be a reason for her to go to college, is, is I guess, you know, if, my if, point. If, if, let's say, for example, what happened, on, uh, God forbid, becomes an ongoing issue without a limit, you know, kind of like no seasons, just like, hey, we have higher fires every two days or every week, let's just say if. I wouldn't want to live in L.A. Anymore. Okay. You know, I think we're far, far away from that, you know. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I, I, I'm not, I actually think climate change is something that it's one of those things like because it happens slowly or because, you know, people, although yeah. they might accept it, we don't do much about it. But at the same time, I also don't think that right now I'm here, you know, maybe five miles away from the beach. I'm not worried that the rising seas means that I might be underwater by oh, the no. end of my show, you know. So we, we have to be aware that these things are happening. We don't want to deny them, but we also don't want to jump to the conclusion that well, because they're saying things are getting worse, yeah. there could be fires every day and the fires yeah. might start. So uh, I hope that's something for you to, you know, I know you're saying you, you're not paranoid, but there is a high level of anxiety there that yeah. I wonder where else it's going to affect you in your life or even in your parenting of your child, that if you're so worried, you know, almost mm-hmm. like you think the world is going to end, so she has to hurry up and get to college before the world ends. that bad but i do consider everything uh you know i just 
as I said, I would suggest everybody to read what White sure. House. Sure, I, I agree. I agree with you on that. But you know, something you just said—it's actually interesting because the caller before was talking about her her daughter who was three and a half, and we we kind of talked about how maybe she's almost seeing mm-hmm. too many things. And I get what you're yeah. saying. Consider everything, but we have mm-hmm. to. Yes, be aware of risks, but at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, there are millions of ways you can mm-hmm. die. And if so if every day you think of all of those possibilities because you want to quote unquote consider everything, you're going to be crippled with that anxiety, <laughs> almost like an existential anxiety or, you know, okay, I can get in a car crash, I can get hit by a car, I can right. choke on my, you know, I could think about all these things and I won't even be able to live my life if I quote unquote consider everything. So I, I do feel like there's an anxiety you have that might make you too focused on the things that can go wrong and mm-hmm. that's something for you to look at do you feel like that is how you are in general that you worry about things you know i think because i read a lot it, it could have become a negative thing meaning mm-hmm. me looking into all kinds of instances but i i don't do that i read enough to know that there is a balance and you can't control everything and uh, what i decided uh, long ago was that we have to live every day as best as we can mm-hmm. so that the width of life is more important than the length of life. Mm-hmm. That's why I am giving at least my child uh, the best I can. So she's very happy. Uh, she has a lot of things happening. She's the one who's mainly the decision maker because she's smart enough and, you know, considers everything. So she she has a great life that... So I'm not projecting my fear in, into her life and, you know, limiting her. With me, I'm just being a parent happy having a good child. Just for me, my life right now is just goes around her, which is I'm happy about it. Okay, although that's not all good. Do, are you are you um, are you still with her father or no? Uh, in touch, you know, very good friends, very close. Okay, but divorced. Extremely, uh, yeah, but but. I mean, it really feels like a family still. Uh, everything is like a family, but it's more like a brother and sister kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know... So I what have... else... I mean, because I do wonder about mm-hmm. that, even though you said you're, in a way, like your life revolves around her, which yeah. can sound good, mm-hmm. but to me it doesn't, because yeah. then that makes you put too yeah, much pressure on her and too much anxiety on her, as much as you might say you don't want to. So are, mm-hmm. are you, what is going on in your own life? Do you work? <laughs> Do you have things happening for yourself? Um, I could for, I mean, I, I don't have to work, you know, so that's a good thing. I'm always considering myself blessed the situation financially I have to work I have studied and got a couple of degrees I worked before right now I just want to kind of take it easy as far as not working but because instead of that I'm taking care of uh, home you know schedules and the other schedules that we have and uh, just taking it easy on myself a little bit and read a lot. I, I love books and I read articles all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's, but this year for me, just a year for myself to relax, study, read on my own. And then um, maybe in a year I'm going to make a decision on maybe some company that I want to start or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, but right you, now I'm just kind of like yeah. exploring things. But okay. no, I, I really have a, don't put stress Yeah, on okay, I'm going to, you know, mm-hmm. 
So I know you call you your call was yeah. about your daughter, but yeah. as is often the case, that I, I usually want to talk more about the person I'm talking to. Sure. And here I'm seeing there's a lot to talk about with what's going on in your life, mm-hmm. and even in hearing what you just said. I have some thoughts and some things I want to talk to okay. you about. We're at a commercial break, but I want you to hang on the line, and we're going to talk about after break more about you. Okay. All right, just hang on. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delac. We will be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we were with a caller. Let's go back to her now. Radio Hammer, are you still there? Yes. All right, so you called about your daughter, 15, trying to figure out what to do with her life, but then um, now we're talking about your life. And my concern is in, in hearing what you were saying was that it's like your life is on a constant pause, um, reading is great and doing those mm-hmm. things is great but and even the way you talked about your ex-husband that were like brother and sister it just I f- get got a feeling from you that you're almost trying to live a safe life and not actually living your life like getting into relationships connecting to people I, I don't that's that's just the sense I got from how you were talking so that's why I want to talk to you about what's going on with you I have a close relationship with many Actually, few girlfriends, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they uh, are very close and uh, good relationship. I go out with them for lunch, this and that. We talk about things, and um, I uh, don't want to date right now because, uh, you know, uh, I feel like I don't know what was <laughs> what was the reason you said you don't want to date. The reason is because I don't want to date for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So that's why I'm taking a pause. W- when was the divorce? Resetting. <laughs> resetting whatever it's called myself or whatever. Uh-huh. You know, it's a different chapter. Sure. I just, uh, I feel very actually good about where I am. I, yeah, I get uh, that feeling that... Um, you know, yeah, you're yeah. that you're in the comfort zone, which many of us get into. That's my concern. So I don't think you're feeling bad, but I'm wondering if you're not fully living your life. How long ago was the divorce? Um, well, our separation was about 15 years ago. Okay, so right around when your uh, daughter was born. Uh, no, sorry, I'm wrong. The separation was about uh, maybe nine years ago. Okay. Okay, and then after that... You know, I wasn't really jumping into a situation. No, I'm, my concern is not about you jumping into anything. My concern is about you yeah. not jumping ever is the is the, <laughs> is the the thing that worries me more than you jumping yeah. too soon. Just last week, I started to feel that I will have um, the, 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 uh, the desire to date again. I was thinking between maybe a year. Because, um, but so my fear, you know, but even, you know, like you said, a business is going to be in a year Uh dating in a year. I just, again, my concern is that everything is at some future date. I will live my life. And so even that it was interesting, that conversation about dying, um, sometimes we're afraid of dying, but we don't realize we're not afraid of not living, of actually not living Uh our life. And sometimes that makes us afraid of death that we're not living our life. So that's my concern is that in. What yeah. you were telling me, it's that you have, a, I think you're very comfortable with your life. You enjoy reading. You seem intelligent. Uh, you Thank like you. to enjoy your, your life in that way. But that I, I'm wondering, and I can't yeah, tell yeah, you yeah. something's missing, but I feel like maybe things are missing, but you try to avoid those feelings and stay in your comfort zone. And someone actually asked me recently, they commented on a, a 
quote I'd put about the comfort zone, about what's wrong with the comfort zone. And comfort itself doesn't sound bad. If you're getting a bed, get a comfortable bed. But when we talk about comfort zone, it's more about a familiar zone, which means we just stay in what we already know or what was given to us in life, and we don't grow. There's no growth in the comfort zone. That's the problem. And oftentimes, we live an unsatisfied and unfulfilled and unhappy life, but we just kind of take what's there because we'd rather just do what's safe than to risk unknown to give ourselves what we actually want. So that's my concern that you're saying you've been separated nine years. Even that you're saying brother and sister with your ex-husband, I'm wondering even when you were with him, maybe it had a brother and sister feeling. Yeah, it was. Because to me, again, that feeling of not allowing yourself to live to actually get close to someone, to risk intimacy, to risk closeness, Mm -hmm. that even the person Mm -hmm. you picked maybe was someone that you didn't feel that close to. What led to the separation and divorce? Yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> what it started it ended it too. Right. Uh, it started nicely and ended nicely, and we're still, as you, as I said. <laughs> right, but nice is nice is not uh, <laughs> intense. Nice no. is not fulfilling. Nice is not no. enough. It's you know. Not. Yeah, and that's no. you're living a nice life. Even that's actually a great mm-hmm. way of putting it. Your life sounds nice. Yeah. Your daughter sounds great. Very smart. Yeah. All those things you enjoy your friendships even you know you enjoy reading these things are all good but a nice life is not a life where you're going to look back on and and feel good about you're going to feel much more alone that's my concern is that there's a loneliness that you might not be willing to face well you know i I have never lived that kind of a lonely life i am not gonna ever i guess get used to that but I have a feeling that um, I wanted to answer a lot of questions yeah. to myself. And I guess I have done that, at least in my imagination, for about 90% of it is gone, done. I kind of like, oh, now I know why this happened. Oh, now I know why I did that. Mm-hmm. So now that I have all the answers, I, I'm getting very close to kind of say, okay, now I know where I stand. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, maybe it's going to be before a year. <laughs> maybe. But even when you say you want a year, what is it that you're waiting for to, let's say, date? As I said, um, now I'm really, I'm, uh, you know, I was in a kind of a fog before. Now I really know what happened, why, who I am kind of thing, you know, uh, why I did things, what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm really looking for, what I'm going to offer. Not just like... I need, I need this, I need that. You know, I just want to say, present who I am and also offer something. So uh, a mature relationship, uh, not coming out of fear, not coming out of needs, you know, more than that. So I'm getting there because if I expect it from someone, I need to also offer it. And I think I'm very, very close, as I said. And when you say, what are you waiting for? I think uh, since I'm reading a lot, I'm listening to a lot of podcasts and, you know, all that stuff, uh, I think I'm getting out of all that uh, vagueness and, you know, not, and all the questions I had. So I guess I just kind of think it takes that long, that, that I don't know, some months to get there. Mm-hmm. Six months, maybe. I don't know. Maybe three months. Maybe maybe today. I think, you know, in hearing you talk, it reminds me, you know, so I, I love doing this show and 
what my father yeah. has done is great and I love yeah. what he does. But what I what I get concerned of sometimes is there are people that just want to listen and just want to read, but they don't want to live and take the action. So it's, a, it's like you're preparing for some test that you're never going to actually take because you think, you have to, oh, no, I'm not ready yet. Because you're never going to be ready to be in a relationship 100%. And also being in a relationship... Yes, you want to get yourself ready, be in touch with your own feelings, understand mm -hmm. your past. All these things definitely, I think, are mm -hmm. very important. But in your case, it's almost that I think you're focused too much on those and not realizing some of it is also you have to jump in at some point. And okay. you never can fully okay. know what the pool is going to feel like. You have to jump at some point. There's this Sorry. poem that I, I, it's like you have to leap at some point. I forgot. You have to leap before you look in a way. You don't always know what's there, but I feel yeah. that you are telling yourself and in a way you convince yourself that it's not that I'm avoiding dating, it's that I'm getting ready. And so I'm getting ready and that's even more wise and more mature than just to jump in. So I'm being better than other people that just go date. I'm going to listen to every podcast and read every book. I'm not judging anybody okay. for jumping into anything or at all. No, I just kind of like, uh, want to be like, I don't know, just people. I don't know how to put it. No, I know. Just, I know. I mean, because you're putting it, it's just, uh, it just, to me, it just sounds like avoiding. That's why I think, because you're right. Mm -hmm. You can read, uh, no matter how many books you read, there's going to be a hundred more mm -hmm. books and a hundred more podcasts. You know, and, you're, you know, you can explore your own mm -hmm. life. You can go to therapy for the rest of your life to try to understand that's yourself. Right. And I, that's not a bad thing, but you can't wait yeah. to live life until this day yeah. when you're ready. It's that realizing it's always going to be a little bit scary. And that's why I've talked before about not letting the fear win. Because fear oh, okay. decides our life a lot of times. We're afraid of getting hurt. We're afraid of getting close. We're afraid yeah. of the unknown. And then we could tell ourselves, I have to keep getting more and more ready, not realizing that you're never going to be fully mm -hmm. prepared. As prepared as you get, relationships mm -hmm. and love, they can hurt you. You can get hurt by right. someone. You can end a relationship and even that could still hurt anything can kind of happen. It's, it's an unknown. And so mm -hmm. we can say we have to get ready more and get more mm -hmm. prepared. But I want you to recognize when you say that to yourself, to hear that almost as an excuse. So when you tell okay. yourself, oh, I'm thinking about dating, but you know what? I still don't know if I fully blah, blah. That, that to me is hear that. You know what? I'm making an excuse. Mm -hmm. I have to okay. jump. You have to Got jump it. and be Got ready it. to jump. And in other areas of your life as well. So some people, they can be too hasty and just jump into things without thinking, and that could be a problem. Your problem is on the other extreme. So I'm not worried about you starting something without thank being prepared. You. It's a thank you, but don't just take it as a compliment. Because no, there's no. a part that I want you to realize you're not letting yourself live your life and convincing no. yourself it's coming from this wise place. But I want you to realize it's coming from a fearful place, from anxiety. <laughs> Yes, I understand. No, 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 no. Thank you for your um, advice, actually, for me to take uh, this step and go forward instead of just waiting forever. And yeah. um, I think even when people, let's just uh, quote-unquote, get hurt or whatever, it's always a huge lesson in there, and it's always worth it. <laughs> sure. Opinion, and here's the thing. The Absolutely. Are... But the thing is, I also, you know, in hearing you say that, you, are, you seem, again... Uh, you get these things, you're smart, you've heard these things, you understand them, but you understand them on a logical way, but emotionally you're still too afraid to actually let it happen. So mm -hmm. you're right. You, you know, they say either you learn and you love or you, you know, either love or you learn. Either way, it's good. Or you mm -hmm. fail 
and you learn or you win. Either way, it's good, mm -hmm. which it makes sense. And we can all say these things and write the quotes mm -hmm. and post them on Instagram, <laughs> post them on Facebook. But actually taking the step means you go forward and you actually go on those dates and you get to know someone and you let them love you and you love them and you take those risks. So the actual risk taking mm -hmm. is the part you get the logical part, but the emotional okay. part is the part where you're like, you know what, I got to go for it. So I want you to really right. hear it when you say, you know what, I still need another year. I can almost guarantee you that end of 2019, you'll say, you know what? I still think I need a little bit more time. There will always be a feeling of needing more time. So I want you to to take the steps. Taking the steps. Absolutely. As soon as possible. And recognizing that you're not going to be unafraid when you do it. It's going to be scary when you do it. So that's not the reason to avoid it. Got it. Yeah. Don't be afraid of being afraid, but do it. Yes. Yes. And don't just... You know, actually do it. Don't just write down the quote. Go and live the quote. You know, the quotes are nice, but if they're not actually affecting our actions, then they're really useless. There's no point to them. And we can almost convince ourselves, I'm getting more knowledgeable or aware of living life, but life has to be lived, not learned about. You know what I mean? So, uh, and also the reason why coming back to your daughter to wrap up our, our talk, the less you're living your own life, the more you're going to try to get too involved in her life. Mm -hmm. Even right yeah. now, I have to figure out everything because I think she should go mm -hmm. to college and I'm going to tell her what to do next. That mm -hmm. to me is too much being involved in her life. This is her decision of where she's going to go to school next year or if she's going to go right. to college or not. And if she's happy there, to me, it doesn't seem like a waste of time at all for her to go to two more years of high school. And then she'll mm -hmm. have her college experience and whatever she does after that. But the less mm -hmm. you're living your life, the more you're going to get too involved in her life. And that's my concern. Okay. I, I did get that, really, uh, I appreciate it. I didn't expect that to happen <laughs> today, but I, it, it moved me. So thank you okay, so good. much. But as far as how to steal that project, how, how do I learn more about this program that, you know, if she wants to consider it? Well, I, like to... I said, I would talk to her first. Um, there's different, there's proficiency exams. The, I think it's called mm -hmm. CH. If you're in California, CHSPE, mm -hmm. something like that, California High School mm -hmm. Proficiency, Profici Proficiency mm -hmm. Examination. But like mm -hmm. I said, I wouldn't jump there yet. Oh, if you talk no, to her, you no, can go to the I school and you. figure those things out. But I still feel like, you know, if she told me my daughter wants to leave high school, that's one thing. But she hasn't mm -hmm. said anything yet. So I don't think mm -hmm. uh, you need to think too much about this yet. <laughs> and to me, it's don't think of it as a waste of time. Mm -hmm. I think it relates to your own life of not living your life that you almost are afraid of her not living her life. Mm. And I, have you have you gone to therapy before? Yeah, a few times. Okay. Not like consistent. Well, I would recommend that. I know you do oh, a lot of exploring on your own. And let me make it very clear. I'm not saying go to therapy, figure things out, and then start dating or living your life. That's not my mm -hmm. what I'm saying. But I think it yeah. might not be a bad idea to have another person yeah. to help you explore what are these fears that you have? But don't wait till you're unafraid because that day will never come. You have to live your life with the fear that there's going to be anxiety that you have of everything okay. that you want to do. But yeah. um, facing also what's not there in your life that you want. Because from talking to you, I feel like there's more missing than you want to mm -hmm. realize. Because facing those feelings would mean you have to then do something about it. And so it's better to think that everything in life is okay as it is, not recognizing mm -hmm. those empty spaces. So... Think about going to therapy, but 
please okay. think about making sure you live your life. Mm. And when it comes to your daughter, you. I think she's doing okay. If she's happy in high school, let her enjoy that. Yes. She'll only have these, you know, two years to experience That's it. True. She'll have college whenever college comes. Okay. Sounds yeah. good. I, I like that. Thank uh, you so much. Thanks for calling. Thank Take care. Really right. helpful. I enjoyed our talk. Nice talking to you. Thank Take care. You. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. All right. Going into our next commercial break. We'll be right back. الو رفیق بابا کجایی تو؟ حالا چون اوبری به ما لیفتی ها زنی نمیزنی؟ نه جونت رو تصادف کردم بعد طرف اومد تو صندوق اقم خودم داغون ماشین فرغون سه ماه سینخیز میرفتم یدیدی به دادم رسید این کوک پشتم وایساد از خودم و خانوادم تیکر کرد فرست کلاس دکتر بالا سرم اوورد بغرات حکیم معجزه کرد یه تیم داره فقط مخصوص اوبر و لیفت چارچرخ بیمه اوبر و برد هوا خسارت گرفت کنتیننتال الانم وضع جسمی و مالیم توپ توپ هر جا تصادف اوبر و لیفت دیدی بهشون بگو غیر از یدیدی روی موفقیت ندیدی پس بفرمایین قبل از یدیدی شما برای اوبر کار میکردی بعد یدیدی اوبر برای شما کار میکنه راستی کدوم یدیدی کامران پنپا یدیدی 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 کامران یدیدی دکتر کامران یدیدی انتخاب اول و برتر در تصادفات 818-999-999 با سلام من احسان اسکری به اطلاع می رسانم که با توجه به نزدیک شدن پایان سال زمان بسیار کمی برای برنامه ریزی های پیشرفته مالیاتی باقی مانده اگر شما در تکس برکت بالایی هستید و یا مالیات زیادی را در سال 2018 علیه هر گونه درآمد قرار است بپردازید و به دنبال راهکارهای قانونی کاهش مالیات و ایجاد دیداکشن های کم نظیر تا سقف یک میلیون دلار هستید به سمینار بیوری هیلز فاینانشل پلانرز ا رجسترد اینوستمنت ادوایزر با انجلو طالبی حضور به هم رسانید تاریخ سمینار روز چهارشنبه پنجم دسامبر ساعت شش و نیم بعد از ظهر در المپیک کلکشن خواهد بود ورود برای همگان رایگان می باشد و برای کسب کوالیفیکیشن و رزرو جا با خانم هدا کرد با شماره 310 205 9000 310 205 9000 تماس بگیرید. من سوها در دشتی لایسنس مریج فامیلی تراپیست مشاور ازدواج خانواده و کودکان با بیش از ده سال تجربه در درمان استراب، افسردگی، خشم و عصبانیت در خدمت شما و خانواده عزیزتان هستم. همچنین می توانم شما را در حل مسائل و مشکلات زندگی زناشویی کمک کنم. لطفاً با شماره تلفن 310-592-592-1 تماس بگیرید. بچه های خوب هیچ میدونین چرا انسان ها برای ادامه حیات به آب احتیاج دارن نه چون جشن رادیو همراه شنبه ششم اپریل دون بی دقیقه سازمان غیر انتفاعی امور بالانس وورد شما عزیزان را به گرد همایی سالانه خود در تاریخ شنبه 8 دسامبر ساعت پنج بعد از ظهر در سالن مجلل موستیتر 
واقع در شهر سانتا مونیکا دعوت می نماید. این برنامه با همدلی و آوای زیبای هنرمند در زنده سازمان دکتر فریما شهراز و کلام گیرای فعال اجتماعی دکتر نیاز کسروی و همکاری دیگر هنرمندان به مهمانداری هنرمند قصهگو خانم زیبا شیرازی با صرف شام ارائه خواهد شد. تمامی عباید حاصل از این شب صرف کمک به هزینه های تحصیلی دانشجویان با استعداد می شود. برای اطلاعات بیشتر با شماره تلفن 805-587-1897 تماس حاصل نمایید. 805-587-1897 آیا می دانستید ردیف کردن دندان ها یا از بین بردن فاصله های بین دندان ها از طریق ارتودانسی نامرئی می تواند فقط در شش ماه صورت بگیرد؟ اگر حداقل 18 ساله هستید و یا فرزند بالای 13 سال دارید، برای اطلاع بیشتر با ما تماس بگیرید. دکتر پاتریشیا بهزاد در الی دنتال ان ایمپلنت سنتر 818-855-2909 Back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, hi. Yes, hello. Hi. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks I'm for calling. I'm from Germany. Oh, thank, thank you for your time. Thanks for calling. Um, my uh, problem is regarding my son. Mm-hmm. He's 23 years old. Okay. Um, we moved here from Iran. Uh, Can you speak a little bit more... Loud, kind of, yeah, a little loud. Okay. That's okay. Thank you. Um, no, I was a little bit quiet because I'm not sure if his parents can listen. <laughs> oh, you're, right. you're not sure if your son can hear us. Pardon me. Well, you're saying you're not sure if our your son can hear us talking? Is that what you meant? Exactly. Oh, okay. Okay. Well. Uh, but is it better now? It's a little bit better. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yes, it's regarding him. We moved here in 2002 uh, when he was seven years old. He went through a lot of um, harsh times regarding uh, my marriages and his father. And um, um, it was very hard for him that his father was not um, caring about him at all. Mm-hmm. And um, um, because of going through all those harsh and difficult times, He's got psychological problems, and right now he cannot work properly, and um, his serious, I mean, his severe disease um, started when he went to Iran for a visit of my parents, and um, there he called me one night, and he asked me if he can see his father after um, a long time, let's say. It was 2014, so after 12 years. So you you left... I just so I understand, because you said about the marriage, I'm, I'm not sure. Did you guys get divorced? Did his father come to Germany, or what's going on? No, no, I, I got divorced from his father when we were in Iran, okay. and when he was one and a half years old. Okay, okay. And then, so you and him alone moved to Germany? No, then I um, um, married again, kind of arranged marriage and stuff, because I wanted to get out of Iran, and uh, we moved to Germany. Okay. And are you still with that man? Pardon me? Are you still I with that? I also hear you, probably. I don't know. Is it <laughs> okay. any, excuse me, because I'm calling from my private phone, but yeah. maybe it's better if I call you back. Um, 
Well, that'll be too that'll be too hard to make happen because we're on the air, and then by you know I'd have to bring someone else on uh, okay. in that meantime. So it, it's okay. I hope you can hear me. I'll try to speak louder as well. Um, so I was asking, are you still with this that man? Who what, what's the current situation as far no, as? No, no, no. Uh, I got divorced from this second um, marriage. Uh, let's say one year after we got into Germany when we traveled here. Okay. And. Um, he was a very, very, very bad man. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, um, it was not meant to be a real marriage, but okay, a lot of things happened, and he fell in love with me, and he didn't want to think, and he really tortured me and my son. Um, and so we got divorced, and I, um, he even burned my son, my son's finger with cigarettes, you know. Oh. And I went through a lot of difficulties with him uh, until I could get divorced in 2005. Mm. And um, then I lived my life with my son alone. And uh, right now it's a situation that um, my son cannot work. Okay, it started that severe disease um, started when he went to Iran. I sent him to Iran mm-hmm. um, for the new year and there. Um, he called me one night and asked me to if if he can see his father. And of course, I knew that comes one day that he wants to know who his father is. Of course, mm-hmm. um, and I said, um, "Yeah, of course. If you want to see him, go and see him. No problem." And this um, visit has ended up to even today. It's now four years that. Um, after that visit, um, um, the way he's telling me, he also realized that his father was lying and he was not caring about him and stuff, but he started vomiting. He throws up all the time. It's not like all the time, it's about two, three weeks, and then it stops, and then again. Um, he, he vomits because he's nervous or he vomits intentionally? His vomits because he doesn't, he, he um, vomits because um, um, he says he's nervous and uh, he doesn't know actually why he's vomiting because mm. uh, it's like he's good, he's, he feels good, everything's fine, and then all of a sudden he starts vomiting, he cannot even drink water, he has to go to hospitals, he has to get stationed there, mm. and... Um, and now, no hospital is, and they checked all of his, everything from head to toe, and they say he's fine. All the organs are working properly, they're everything fine, functioning properly. And he needs to go to, to um, have a therapy. Yeah. And um, the thing, the problem is that he's using marijuana a mm-hmm. lot. But I'm just uh, facing now with a life that... Um, now, one thing uh, about... Can I say something about the marijuana use? Um, it, it's interesting because sometimes people take marijuana to deal with nausea, but I've heard some more recent reports or incidents where because of the marijuana and how much more uh, concentrated it is, and it's a different type of marijuana than even before, and the amounts that people smoke there have been more incidences of people going to emergency rooms having vomiting and intense reactions to 
marijuana when they're smoking too much or using too much. So it, it could be related to that. I'm not saying that's the only cause, but if he's using a lot of marijuana and then having these types of reactions, there could be a connection there. Dr. Kolakui, that's definitely that. Okay. It's obvious that it is that, but mm -hmm. how can I just get him out of that? He's so hooked to it. He's yeah. So, I mean, he's so hooked to it that he cannot go and work somewhere properly. He didn't want to go to university and study. Okay, fine. Um, he doesn't have to if he doesn't want to. And he, all he wanted to do was, he said, I want to be a hairdresser. Okay, hairdresser here, it takes seven years that you get your master. And he said seven he years? Yes. In, in to become like a hairstylist or a barber? Yes. Wow, and okay. A cut is going to cost you 110 euros or 100 oh, okay. euros. Okay, all right. Um, you can earn up to three, four thousand euros a day. Okay. But so he wanted to do that, but he didn't want to go to school for it? Uh, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. He wants to go to school. He goes even as finds practicum here and there everywhere, but he cannot constantly be there. He's all the time sick. He goes to work two weeks, then he's three weeks sick. Of course, nobody's going to take him like this. Yeah. So does no he... No hospital is taking him at the moment. Yeah. And so... no doctor is taking him because they all know he's known everywhere. They say, until you don't do your therapy, we're not going to do you anything. But from the other side, he's suffering physically. Ten days so, constantly. He yeah. cannot drink, he cannot eat, and he lost pounds, like 10 pounds, 20 pounds. So let me ask you, what, what does he say about getting help? Like they, when they tell him to go to therapy, what does he say? Well, the thing that the ridiculous law here says, if you want to go to therapy, you need to quit first, and then they take you on station, which I do not understand. That. I, even to go to th a therapist or to go to yeah. like a rehab? No, no, to rehab. Oh, okay. Because there are special things. I went, uh, one of my friends is working in a hospital, special hospital, for these young kids like this, and she said yes, but first step is that he quits at least a month. Okay. I said he cannot do that. Yeah, this but what? A, not making sense. Yes. Okay. So hold on. What? What about him going to a therapist? That's not about just rehab. Him seeing someone. He doesn't. He's um, so sick that sometimes he's not even able to get out of bed. He's so weak about everything. He's not even making his, how do you call it, um, important meetings or things with, with, with the people he, he needs to go, even for his money or stuff. Okay, what about him seeing a psychiatrist? Oh, that I wish, but he knows what he's got. And he, he says, Mom, I know what I have. So what, what's going to help me? If I go to psychiatrists, he or she is going to tell me, yeah, you have to quit, and I cannot quit. Well, that's not it's the only his... thing they'll tell him. They might give him a medication that will help him. Uh, yes, that's another problem. Exactly. He okay. doesn't want to take any kind of medicine. That's, okay. that's my second problem. Okay, there's lots of problems. Now, I would make it your goal at this point not to make him quit smoking or using marijuana, because if you make that the only goal, you and him are just going to constantly be fighting. But... The issue is that he's suffering, and I don't think he would deny that he's physically and emotionally suffering, and he needs help. So I would focus on that, that getting him to see a psychologist, not about quitting. I wouldn't even tell him, 
I want you to see someone so you stop smoking. It's that don't even bring that up. Just say because you're in so much pain, you deserve to to get help. You're not doing okay. So I wouldn't make the goal getting him to stop because if he is so addicted and on top of that thinks like maybe sometimes people do that this is actually the only thing that's helping me or it's good for me and you're saying I want to take that thing away from you then he won't go for the help that he needs so I would avoid going in that direction and just we need him to see someone a psychiatrist and he does need medication almost definitely uh, but also a, a therapist that he gets to go and talk and work on these things or else he's not going to get better and according to the doctors there's nothing physically wrong with him. This is a somatization that it's some expression of his emotional pain or illness through the physical symptoms. There's no organic cause to it. So he needs psychiatric and psychological help and we have to get him in the door. So I wouldn't focus on getting him to stop smoking. I'm not saying that doesn't matter, but if you make that your battle with him, um, it, it's going to just become a battle and he's going to resist it even more strongly. And I'm not sure exactly what happened when he saw his dad, but you're saying ever since then he changed. What what happened there? Do you know what happened in that interaction? Because it seems like to you that's a pivotal moment where everything changed. He was around well, 19. Um, I would love to know what exactly happened there. And I tried to speak with it. I tried to bring it up sometimes. And I asked what, what happened and what did he say. But he, it's like that he's not interested to talk about it with me. I okay, and I wouldn't force him. No, don't. He doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to talk about it. Um, I'm not sure if something happened there or just seeing his father brought up a lot of things. But, you know, your son, just like you have, but for your son, he had a very hard life. You talk about very, divorce, very moving, and the way you describe the stepfather sounds horrible and actually burned his finger. I mean, this is, he's dealing with a lot of trauma. And so it's understandable that he's carrying a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of pain, even maybe PTSD related to what happened, all of these things. And so we know your your son is really struggling, and I know you see that, but we want to be aware of how much he's been through. But he really needs to get help. And so I, I again, would make the goal him seeing a psychologist and a psychiatrist, not the only goal is to get him to stop smoking. Because, you know, even that, maybe it's contributing to the physical symptoms, but you said it happened even before then, or that's how I understood it. Um, that's not the only issue. It's not that if he stops smoking marijuana, he's going to be okay. It seems like there's a lot going on psychologically. And so the marijuana might be a symptom or the way he's coping with everything he's dealing with, but taking that away is not going to be our only solution or the only thing we need. He needs serious help and consistent help. And until that happens, he's not going to get better. So again, for me, the marijuana is not our one issue. It is part of the whole problem. Yes, but this marijuana is making other issues and other problems. Oh, I'm, not, I'm sure. I'm not saying the marijuana is good. I'm not saying it's not going to be part of the solution. But if we make that the only thing, first of all, that's not the only problem he has. And if you make that the only thing you want him to do, he's going to just fight with you more and more. And anything you try to do, he's going to see it as all she wants is for me to quit and I don't want to stop smoking. And so even she wants me to see a therapist and I know all she wants is for me to stop smoking and he's going to tell me or she's going to tell me to stop. So I'm not going to go. So I would no, make it very I, clear. Actually, it's, it's, uh, on the contrary, I don't, I don't tell him okay, to stop good. smoking. Not at all. I even told him, you know what? Because I see all his friends are smoking here. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's um, everywhere nowadays. Mm -hmm. And uh, even he tells me that his his manager is smoking where he works. So, or his colleagues are working all. So, 
um, that's not, I, I told him, okay, you want to smoke? I don't have problem with it, but do your things first. And if you want to smoke, go for a smoke. But, you know, right now, until he gets help, he's not going to be able to do the things or live his life. So we, we need to help him get help. I, like I said, for me, the only focus is to get him to see someone um, as soon as possible. He needs to get help. I hope he'll listen to you. If he won't, I don't know what how else you can help him if he's not willing to, to see someone. But we need him to see a, a therapist as soon as possible. What I always tell people is to connect with him where he is suffering. So... Obviously, I know it's hurtful and you want him to get help and we want to tell him you can't live this way, which is true. But I would want to talk to him about how much pain he has and even apologize to him about the pain he's experienced because of you and the relationships you've had and show him that I'm sorry I've hurt you and I want to help you, but I can only help you so much. I think you really deserve to get help somewhere else as well with somewhere where they can help you because I can't fix the pains that I unfortunately helped cause. So I would really apologize to him for what he has had to go through, all the suffering, all the pain, all the chaos that he had to experience and trauma that he had to experience and say, because of that, you feel like he deserves help. I get in how you're talking and I can understand you're angry with him too. I know you're hurt and you're sad and you're worried, but you're also angry with him. But you know, and I'm sure he Very does a lot of things. Though. Yeah, and I'm sure he does a lot. But we have to understand that he's suffering. He's going through a lot. I'm not going to make him not have responsibility for his life and say just because he went through pain, he doesn't have to do anything. No, he, he needs to take control of his life. But we have to recognize he's coming from a place of, of pain. He's not really just trying to be difficult, even though it might seem that way sometimes. So, Another problem for me is that because we're living in a very small um, apartment together he's got a kind of also um, I think this messy um, uh, disorder and um, what do you call it um, depression I think that's messy depression I don't, know right? what, I don't know I don't know messy depression um, the people that are incredibly um, um, how can I say it dirty that they, they oh. don't um, I mean, in his, you have no idea how many times I just cleaned his room. Well, I mean, so when someone is depressed, they're going to, a lot of times they'll be just more, they won't even wash themselves as much when they're really depressed, so they can no, take personal hygiene. himself, actually, he's so clean. Okay. He has to get, take a shower every day and stuff, but okay, again, he's not cleaning the bathroom. Yeah. Like well, I mean, you know, these things, yeah, cleaning the bathroom, again, is, I get that it's annoying, but that's not our biggest issue right now, you know, is about that. And I get, I can, again, understand you're mad at him, but his life has been very difficult. And again, you have to recognize that a big part of that has been what you've created for him. So if you haven't already, I would apologize to him for all the ways that you and the life he's had to live because of your decisions have hurt him. And your anger, I can get that it's frustrating to see him this way, but we have to be aware of what you've created, that this he's suffered, he's had a difficult life. And yes, it's his responsibility to help fix his life, but I would make sure you apologize to him for everything he's had to go through and all that pain and everything he's going through. And that's why you want him to get help because he deserves it and you can't help fix the pains that you've helped create. And so that's why my focus is more about him just seeing someone and getting help. And it's hard when someone is so depressed to even get them out of the door or get them into an appointment. I understand. Um, and 
if he can see a psychiatrist, even if he doesn't take medication, then that might not work, but he needs to go somewhere and start to talk. That's the only thing I tell him. It can help. Therapy has been helpful for so many people who are dealing with depression. So I really hope he'll he'll do something in that way. I, I understand it's not easy. You're not in an easy situation. So let me make that part clear too. But it's we four we need years, him. Doctor, hold yeah. On, four yeah. That's years, supposed to be I'm very painful. My son just just melting up mm. like day by day, um, not being able to do real life like other youngs or his friends that are around him. And um, I'm done. I mean I'm. I'm myself I'm in a situation that I got also I mean uh, I got jobless you know and um, I found out from today to tomorrow that I'm I'm, I'm a handicapped person I got only 20% of vision and I got jobless and after all I studied and stuff you know I feel like I'm useless I cannot help my son I cannot help myself well you know clearly you're depressed yourself too which yeah, there's a lot so, so if he can't if he won't get help make sure you get help for yourself you have to get help for yourself too even that'll help you be able to be there for him more to handle this better it, it, you've had a difficult life you and him it's been a very difficult life and and that's unfortunate it's all you can do is now make the rest of your life better but it's very painful what you're both going through is hard and of course if you're feeling the way you're feeling then you're gonna get even more hurt and upset by what he does which it's what's gonna happen so i hope you'll at least get help for yourself first and even it'll do a few things first of all it'll help you but at least show him that getting help is good and it's okay even if it doesn't immediately have an impact but at least you're showing him i'm not saying you're a problem get help i'm saying we both deserve to get help we need it to get better so well, I would. He sees that I'm having problems. I know, but I would say he sees that you're having problems, but don't say because he sees I'm having problems, he should change what he's doing. He could say the same no, thing no, to no, you. No, 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 I'm, I'm not. Okay. Saying that, I'm just saying that to use it as an excuse of what I told him. Okay, but that's why I'm saying go get help for I yourself. I told him to, to get out of here first of January, and I'm not sure if I did the right thing or not. I, I don't know, based on how ill he is, if that's that tough love is going to work. Like I said, for me, it's about you getting help first, if he won't go get help. Okay. Yeah, get that help for yourself. It's going to be a tough process and journey. I don't know. To me, kicking him out is not the right way yet, if he's doing as bad as you're saying. it's He needs some help first. Um, this is a tough situation, but get some help for yourself first. I really do wish you guys the best because it's not an easy situation, but get some help, and I hope he'll then get some help too. All right. I appreciate you calling. Good luck. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, going into our last commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, Dr. Olakri. Hi. Thank you very much for taking my call. My pleasure. Thanks I for calling. I know that uh, we are having this uh, short... Uh, yes, we just have about nine, eight, nine minutes left. Yes. Uh, uh, I'm calling about my uh, wife's uh, niece. 
She's 16 years old in 11th grade, and uh, she lost her father back June. Hmm. And then uh, she's an overachiever, and she wants to go to Berkeley, and is working very, very hard. And I sometimes uh, are uh, talking to him and to her, uh, telling her that life is not all about uh, studying and all that, but uh, she's... uh, uh, got all A's with exception to her uh, uh, history that she got a, a B. And uh, she's got a private tutor and counselor, and uh, she met uh, with her uh, a couple of, two or three days ago, and uh, the counselor was telling her that, uh, oh, she has to study more to bring her uh, uh, grades up and uh, uh, and it's very, very important for her to uh, get a straight A's. Otherwise, she couldn't make it to go to Berkeley or Cal Poly. Uh, she actually wants to go to Cal Poly because her late father uh, got uh, graduated from there. So I asked her to call you and talk to her. She had a class and couldn't. So I'm uh, asking you to see uh, how we should, or uh, her mother and the family, approach her, and uh, what is the right thing that hurts that your father is very much against of veto uh, overachievers, and mm-hmm. they have to go through their uh, normal cycle. Yeah. Well, you know, I hope, you know, maybe on Monday night she could call, because I know if she's at school during this class uh, during this show Monday night my show's at 8 to 9 because I really want to talk to her and to me um, yes that overachieving and this pressure is not going to be good and it's going to crush her it's not going to push her forward and um, for me what's even more important than how she's doing academically is how she's doing psychologically and emotionally losing her father at 15 or 16 years of age um, that's a devastating loss and I hope she went to therapy or they're considering therapy for her to help with this process. But to me, more than her grades, I care about her grieving and how she's doing, uh, because that's going to be more important and longer lasting, whether she gets into the college she wants to. I mean, I think that's important. I don't want to tell her to give up on those kinds of things, but I don't want to make that just the focus. Now, at the same time, it could be that because of how hard that was, focusing on school is like a distraction to her but that has obviously good and bad points to it so i I definitely want to make sure we're not putting any more pressure on her it seems like she's putting too much pressure on herself and even the counselor telling her in a way she has to study more maybe she's already studying enough and it's too much I, i don't know it's not an easy situation to tell her to give up on going to school and i don't think she has to but pressure is the last thing we want to put on her right now Okay, and then uh, I guess uh, my thoughts were that uh, she has to hear it from you. Yeah. Uh, could uh, get the points uh, or whatever you said. Uh, obviously, she uh, she cannot or she wouldn't want to trust me. And I told her that uh, you need to talk to a professional mm-hmm. to uh, get their opinion and. Uh, she was interested. So yeah, uh, I would try to ask her to call you yeah. on Monday night, and then uh, it's, uh, it's it's very sad. As you said, she's putting so much pressure on herself, and uh, 
trying to make an uh, and she's always worried oh mm -hmm. I, I have a class how about if I don't um, make it if, uh, I mean she, she's taking uh, uh, this so hard and uh, she did go to a few sessions with her brother she's got a two years younger brother both they did go to therapy uh, uh, for the uh, grieving and I don't think they did go far enough. Mm -hmm. then, yeah, I hope uh, they'll go to more. You know, just because we have a few minutes, I hope she will call um, Monday. And you know, sometimes when someone goes through something like this, where completely out of their control, their life feels like it fell apart or something horrible happened, they can react by trying to get control over everything else or control about some area of their life. Or I have to make sure I'm successful, so I have to do above and beyond and 100% in everything. And that reaction can lead to just more pressure, more stress, and then eventual breakdown. And obviously that's not what we want. So um, I would want her to go to therapy, not that she necessarily has run away from the feelings, but maybe she has grieving. This kind of a loss is, is terrifying. It's horrible. It's not something that someone fully gets over, but we want to help them get through the process the best way we can. So she could be trying to get control over what she can control after her life felt so out of control by losing someone so special to her way too early. And that might be some of the reaction that she's doing. And as family, there's only so much you can do. And you are her, you know, aunt's husband. So there's only so much impact you can have. It does seem like you care and you, you feel for her and you see her struggling. But we want to make sure we don't overstep what we can do or our role should be and your role is going to be more on the periphery on the outside your wife maybe can have obviously more of an impact but i really do hope she will call because i want to talk to her and let her know that she deserves to probably get some more help and obviously her life is long and there will be a lot of time to live and achieve and do everything she wants to do but we have to make sure she's emotionally okay for me i care about how she's doing emotionally much more than I care about her academics at this time because that's much more important. Everything else can be figured out, but if she's not okay psychologically, emotionally, that impact is going to be much more severe. So please, yeah, let her know to give me a call uh, Monday. I'm sorry we didn't have more time to talk, but I do have to wrap up the show, but thank you for calling. Okay. I appreciate your time. And uh, I'll do just one quick question. Sure. Do you have a uh, rebroadcasting of this show or a podcast? Yes, this show gets rebroadcast. I don't know. You know, for L.A. time, it's not a good time. It's like 4 or 5 in the morning. But then today, I'll upload these shows to my SoundCloud page and my iTunes uh, podcast. Okay. Thank so you very be up much. By time. Have a wonderful week. Thank you. You too. Thanks Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Thank you to all the callers and listeners out there. And to Amir, who's here, and right now, Firehood is wrapping up the show. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delaqui. Have a wonderful day. Mm -hmm.